Alright guys, welcome to the show, episode number 6. Uh, so happy you guys could join us today. Uh, a lot of good stuff to talk about on this episode. Uh, but first and foremost, if you haven't yet voted, please make sure that you do. There's only actually just 5 days left in the voting. Uh, so please make sure guys that you do vote for Anna for Maximus Finest. Again, the link will be on all of our platforms, including down there, down where, down here on YouTube. Uh, so please, guys, make sure that you do vote. Uh, if you vote either through Facebook or, uh, you know, you can use the Warrior Vote, as we've talked about in previous episodes. Uh, great, great uh, benefit towards uh, Homes for Wounded Warriors. Uh, so please, guys, do check that out. Do vote for Anna. Help her get to number one. Still plenty of time left, five days. Uh, but let's see what we can do to get, get rally up that vote and to help her win. So, uh, to start us off for the show, uh, Conan O'Brien of all people. Uh, so Conan O'Brien uh, tweeted out, I think I found a way to get President Trump to read Obama's powerful statement about DACA. And basically what he did was he just added Trump in bold and red throughout what Barack Obama posted on Facebook. So I thought that was pretty funny, a little bit of uh, politics humor to start off the show. And then I found this really crazy looking picture. Uh, this is from EarthPix. If you guys don't follow them on Twitter, I highly recommend them. Um, some really cool, really interesting pictures that they have all the time. Uh, this one was kind of freaky. This was uh, a, a crocodile uh, that's covered in algae. Um, so uh, usually, you know, crocodiles, they tend to have like a yellowish green hue to them. Uh, but this is even creepier because you can tell uh, this isn't just a green crocodile. It's covered completely in algae, including uh, the only thing that's missing is just the eyes, but everything else is just covered, it looks like in slime, but it's actually algae. Uh, so I thought that was a pretty cool picture. Um, another cool tweet that came out from Uberfax yesterday, last night, uh, was apparently Steve Jobs, when he, gets a, he, when he gets cars, he actually gets a new Mercedes-Benz every six months because in the state of California, you don't need a license plate until the car is at least six months old. Uh, so Uberfax tweeted that out and said, you know, that's a boss move. Some people might think it's a douche move, but you know, if you've got the money, I would say that it's a boss move too. Um, Carl Newman tweeted out that JetBlue caps flights out of Florida, especially right now with the hurricane, uh, at just $99. United, though, on the other hand, seems to be taking advantage of those customers that are trying to get the hell out of Florida with the hurricane coming. Um, they're charging $6,000 for people to leave. Uh, so Doug Benson, uh, one of my favorite comedians, uh, he tweeted out, uh, come on, United, uh, you, you're trying to be like Joel, the Joel Osteen of airlines. Um, I thought that was pretty funny. Joel Osteen, we talked about yesterday on the podcast, has a huge mega church in Houston. Uh, it wasn't until the internet pressured him uh, that he opened his doors for uh, you know people seeking refuge to come in. Um, so, yeah, I would agree with Doug Benson there. I think it's ridiculous that airlines are milking people um, to escape possible tragedy uh, in the state of Florida. So, um, you know, I think that's ridiculous. Good on JetBlue though for capping it at ninety nine dollars. I think that's the right move. 
Um, you know, if, if you've been watching the news lately, you've seen just like footage after footage of uh, lineups of cars just trying to get the hell out of Florida right now uh, because they know that this is going to be uh, devastating, unfortunately. Um, going back uh, to yesterday, um, this was hilarious to me. So Donald Tr Trump tweeted out, uh, for all of those uh, DACA that are concerned about your status during the six-month period, you have nothing to worry about, no action. Um, so first of all, DACA is the program. The people are referred to as dreamers. You would think the president would know enough to know that. Apparently not. Um, but also, I find it hilarious that at the end of his tweet, he put no action. Um, I said, no action defines his presidency. Um, I say he needs to hashtag that shit and use it at the end of every tweet that he makes because that's basically what his presidency has become. Um, you know, a lot of times at the end of his tweets, he'll say, like, sad, mad, whatever the fuck else he says. He's a rambling lunatic. Um, and, you know, I, I, I thought that was pretty funny, a good jab at Donald Trump. Um, Heather uh, Cagle tweeted out, because besides just that ending, I found that tweet to be very, like, un-Trump. Um, and sure enough, <laughs> like, almost right after I saw that tweet from Donald Trump, uh, Heather Cagle tweeted out and crushed everybody's hopes, saying that a source tells me that Nancy Pelosi called Trump this morning and asked him to tweet that. Um, so if it seemed like that wasn't a normal tweet from Donald Trump, that's because it wasn't. Apparently Nancy Pelosi told him to tweet that out as part of the deal that they broke uh, the other day uh, for the debt ceiling. Um, so, yeah. Um, Another brain dropping I had for you guys, uh, this one was uh, something that I, I think hopefully inspires everybody. Uh, I was saying that life is about moments. Uh, you want to create them, but you don't want to wait for them. Uh, so hopefully that inspires all of you guys. I thought that was pretty inspirational, so I tweeted that out, made that a brain dropping for the podcast. Um, yeah, pretty nice thought. Um, video games. So... Uh, for those of you guys that aren't aware, WWE 2K18 is going to be coming out very soon, in the next month or so. Um, they've released their final roster, and to me, it's kind of disappointing because the roster is almost the exact same as the previous year, WWE 2K17, and I know there's a lot of controversy with Hulk Hogan, I know there's a lot of controversy and uh, legal issues with CM Punk, but when those two who are without a doubt, two of the greatest of all time uh, are continue to be left out. Uh, it makes the games incomplete. You know, I hate to say it, but no matter how hard the WWE tries to erase um, Hulk Hogan and CM Punk, it's not the same as erasing Chris Benoit. Uh, Hulk Hogan and CM Punk were two of the biggest stars of all time. Um, and to pretend like they never even existed uh, I, I think it's kind of silly. Uh, hopefully there'll be a day where we'll see CM Punk and Hulk Hogan uh, in WWE games again. Um, as a fan, I just want to see that. I would love to play those games with those two still in it, but um, you know, that being said, will I still get the game? Will I still play it? Will it still be on our YouTube channel? For sure. Um, but 
it doesn't change how disappointed I am that those two aren't on the rosters again. Um, so moving on, going back to politics, uh, Donald Trump Jr., after all of this time, came out the other day and said that he was open to information about Hillary Clinton's fitness, character, or qualifications, and that's the reasoning behind his meeting with the Russian lawyer. Um, and my response to that was, it took that long to come up with that lame-ass excuse? Um, yeah, I mean, nothing more to add to that. <laughs> Um, an interesting uh, story, a Woj bomb uh, dropped by Adrian Wojnarowski for ESPN. Uh, he was saying that the NBA is now pursuing a vote on the NBA draft lottery reform uh, before the start of the season in a way to avoid or trying to avoid teams tanking. Um, so this is interesting because it comes at a time where the Chicago Bulls might be one of those teams that's looking to rebuild. Um, you know, the Phoenix Suns might be looking to rebuild. Uh, you know, people believe that Philadelphia's process has worked, but who knows? Maybe Philadelphia may end up still in that process. Um, this could change a lot in the NBA. Uh, to me, I'm okay with it because I don't like the idea of tanking in any sports league, and unfortunately, you see it in almost every sports league. Um, I would love to see uh, an equal percentage for every team out of the playoffs. So whether you're the ninth seed in the Eastern Conference or the 15th seed, um, whether you're, let's say, 17th in the league or 30th in the league, um, I would love to see every one of those teams have an equal percentage uh, in the lottery, and that way there really is no advantage to being the worst team. Um, and you know, if you're a team that's on the cusp, you get rewarded potentially if you get the first overall pick. Um, so I'm, I'm very interested. I'm, I'm happy to see the NBA taking this approach because I think it's kind of plagued their league for so long. I think it's why you've got some teams that have you know ridiculously good records because they're playing teams that are not even trying, um, especially in the East. I think out West, there's way more competition in the NBA. There always has been for the last decade at least. Um, in the East, it seems like there's always three to four top teams and then everybody else and then you know you've got a huge number of those teams that are just tanking uh, trying to get the number one draft pick so um, good on the NBA for trying to fix this I'd love to see other leagues do the same the NFL the NHL um, even Major League Baseball to a lesser extent uh, although I do like their draft pick compensation if they lose players and stuff like that so I think Major League Baseball is kind of like ahead of the curve a little bit um, but they still kind of reward the worst teams with their draft also. So um, I, I like this idea. Um, I, I think it's going to, at the end of the day, make the leagues more competitive. It's going to make the NBA more competitive, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, who doesn't want to see more games that actually matter um, and see teams really try as opposed to just try to tank? Um, so there is a lot of thoughts on this, which we'll be talking about as well. Um, one of them was from Mr. Jenk Wan on Twitter. I loved what he said. He says, the NBA is redoing the NBA draft lottery. Hmm. Danny Ainge, Boston Celtics, uh, was smart, got rid of that pick just before it basically became 
worthless. And there's one of the best memes for basketball of all time. Alonzo Mourning puzzled, thinking about it, and then going, okay. Um, so yeah, like I, I, I totally agree with Mr. Jack. Like it seemed to work out really well for Boston uh, making that trade. I, I thought that from the beginning, uh, getting Kyrie Irving, I think that that's a good move for them. Um, I don't think it's going to pay off right away because I think it's going to take time for him to adjust uh, to what Boston's trying to do. Um, but in the long run, I think it's an awesome move for them. Um, and the fact that they traded away their first round pick as well to Cleveland, Cleveland probably thinking, oh, you know, we got this great pick. Um, it may turn out to be all for nothing if the draft lottery changes here. Uh, Sean Hyken tweeted out, could have implications for the Bulls as they start their rebuild. So just as I was saying before, uh, Chicago Bulls, one of the most storied franchises of all time. Uh, you know, even if you're not a basketball fan, I'm sure you're aware of Michael Jordan and you know the history that he was able to build in that for that franchise um, in the late '80s, '90s as well. Um, you know, I'm a Raptors fan, diehard Raptors fan, but I've always had uh, a soft spot spot in my heart for the Chicago Bulls, just one of the most storied franchises in the NBA. Uh, it could definitely make their rebuild more difficult, and that would be. Uh, that would be tough for the NBA because that's one of the top teams of all time. You know, it's no different really, if you think about it, than the mess that the New York Knicks have right now. Um, and even the Lakers to a lesser extent, although people think that maybe uh, things will work out for the Lakers now. Um, but you know, when, when your most storied franchises are not doing well, it's kind of like the NHL with the Leafs not doing well for the longest time. Um, it hurts. You know, it hurts. It doesn't matter how big the stars are. If your biggest franchises aren't there when it counts at the end, there's going to be less eyes on it, always. You know, so um, hopefully the Chicago Bulls can rebuild uh, the best they can. Uh, maybe not just through the draft, maybe through signings and trades and things like that. But um, yeah, th I thought that was a really good point there by, Sh by Sean uh, Hyken there. Um, Gerald Bourget said, uh, Sun's owner notorious for his impatience, uh, finally commits to full-scale rebuild, and the NBA decides now is the time for draft lottery reform. So the Phoenix Suns uh, also in the same boat as the Chicago Bulls, it seems like. Um, another team that I didn't even think about, uh, the Miller Team podcast, and this is so true, uh, the Indiana Pacers have been in the playoff hunt every single year since 1989 and fucking now they finally reformed the draft lottery is what the Miller Time podcast is saying uh, God hates the Pacers so he went like to the next level with this um, but yeah man I can understand where he's coming from the Pacers have always been a really competitive team uh, you know they've they've uh, they've lost uh, PG-13 from their team and uh you know that's gonna hurt them you know and they're they're, they're obviously in full rebuild mo mode now um, they're in the same boat man Phoenix Chicago Indiana there's so many more teams in the NBA but those are three of the bigger ones that come to mind um, David Chia tweeted out the draft lottery reform should be like this the Lakers always get the number one pick after that I don't care I may or may not be biased, just a little bit. Um, 
Zombie Dragon tweeted out, How about instead of draft reform, we eliminate the draft altogether and eliminate college basketball and let players come up in local youth academies? Sorry. Um, So kind of like the uh, Major League Soccer approach, kind of like the Toronto FC approach, uh, where you bring in players, uh, young kids, uh, through an academy, and you kind of work the, you work them all the way up to your pro team. And uh, that would be interesting, but I think that that would heavily favor the bigger franchises. I think the Lakers would have an advantage there, especially because just from where they are, location I think would matter with, with academies. I think the amount of talent coming out of California, uh, the Lakers would, and obviously the, the money that the Lakers have, I think the New York Knicks would have an advantage, Chicago would have an advantage, um, Toronto would be interesting. I think ten years ago, people would say Toronto had would have problems with the youth academy, but you look at the number of kids coming out of Canada now playing basketball. Um, a youth academy for Toronto for the Raptors would actually probably work now. So um, it'd be interesting to see that. It's definitely not going to happen though. So another interesting tweet that came out uh, was about the Koch brothers. Uh, apparently pushing Congress to pass a bill to protect the Dreamers. Uh, So there is a lot of reaction to this, for sure. Um, David Grossman tweeted out, the new political landscape is, in a word, confusing. Uh, Katie B tweeted out, wait, I'm on the same side as Catholic bishops and the Koch brothers? This is bizarre. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, Yashar Ali tweeted out, replies to this shows partisans dismiss members of other party too quickly. Uh, The Kochs are libertarians. They also push for criminal justice reform. So I thought that was an interesting tweet as well. Uh, Jordan Haas tweeted out, when you have Pelosi and the Koch brothers on the same side, it makes clear who the 15% opposition really includes. Racism is not an ideology. So I thought that was also a good point as well. Uh, Another interesting situation came out yesterday. This was uh, actually in the NHL uh, for the Ottawa Senators. Uh, The Ottawa Senators last year, even in the playoffs, as far as they got into the playoffs, um, with, I think in everybody's mind, a mediocre team, but some really key players that that, uh, stepped up. Uh, Carlson, for sure. I think Anderson, throughout the season, uh, stood up for them despite, um, you know, his wife going through what she was going through with cancer. So, um, you know, a lot of players stepped up. You would think that that would inspire a fan base to show up to games, but they still had empty seats. Um, Now, there's a number of different ways that you can approach that. I don't think the approach that the owner, Eugene Melnick, has taken with this has been the right approach because he's gone public so many times, and even before this, he's gone public talking about how disappointed he is with attendance. Um, and really, in my opinion, slamming the fan base and then being surprised that the fan base doesn't support the team, I think that that's really uh, a dumb move on Eugene Melnick's part. Um, and an even dumber move that he's done as of yesterday it was announced, the Senators have actually removed 1,500 seats um, in an attempt, so they've tarped off these seats so people can't sit in them and they're not available for sale in an attempt to artificially create more demand for season tickets. I think that that is beyond pathetic. Um, Basically, he's 
making it so that there's fewer seats available so that he can increase the cost of the tickets that are available um, in order to make money. It's an obvious cash grab. And I think that, you know, this guy wonders why the attendance is what it is. Number one, his arena is in the middle of nowhere. It's not actually in downtown Ottawa. It's in Canada, Ontario, um, which is difficult for people to get to. There's nothing around the arena. Um, there's a number of reasons why it's failing. And instead of that owner taking ownership of it um, and trying to figure out a plan like how can we relocate to downtown Ottawa um, or at least closer to downtown Ottawa, um, how can we get uh, the people that work for the government away in to games? Um, you know, he's, he's doing these stupid games where he's going to the media and he's basically slamming his own fan base. Um, he's complaining about how much things cost. He's threatening, saying that, uh, you know, I'm not sure how much longer this team can stay in Ottawa. You know, all of these silly things. And then he wonders why his team's in trouble. Um, and then he goes and does this where he's going to artificially increase the prices for tickets there. Um, you know, it, it's just so many stupid moves one after the other, and he's still wondering why his franchise is failing um, in terms of attendance and in terms of profitability. Um, it, I don't wonder. I, I know exactly why. And it's not just any just one of those reasons. It's all of those reasons. Um, and he's just continuing to dig this grave. Um, and, you know, the way it's going, unless they don't get a new arena somewhere in downtown Ottawa, I wouldn't be surprised if this is another team that gets relocated. You know, there's a lot of markets out there that want a team. Uh, Quebec City, for sure. Uh, Seattle. Um, and everybody forgets, but Kansas City has an arena built. I don't know if they would really be that great of a hockey city, but they've got the arena. There's ownership there that says that they're interested. Um, so... You know, if, if Eugene Melnick doesn't want to keep a team in Ottawa, I'm sure there's plenty of people that would want to have a hockey team in their city. Um, you know, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, this next thing that I wanted to share with you guys was actually uh, pretty funny to me. Uh, this was from Uberfax, and this was a puppy that just figured out how to get down the stairs in his own way. Um, so that tweet is on twitter.com slash the John D. Newton if you guys want to see that. Um, it just reminds me of uh, a puppy that I had, Golden Retriever also, uh, that was going down the stairs uh, in a kind of silly way uh, when they were first figuring out how to go down the stairs. So um, I thought that was a really cute, really funny uh, clip. Uh, another tweet, another brain dropping from Billionaire Mindset. Uh, it says the only person you need to be better than is the person that you were yesterday. So I thought that was a good inspirational message. And, you know, throughout this week, we've been talking about uh, Hurricane Irma. We've been talking about Hurricane Harvey, um, just the, the train of hurricanes that are going through the Atlantic right now. Um, this was a tweet from Joel. Uh, he tweeted out, because... Uh, Hurricane Irma is going to be going uh, through Florida. Um, there's pretty much no doubt of that at this point. Um, so now there's comparisons being drawn for, you know, the worst hurricane to ever hit Florida in 1992, which was Hurricane Andrew, and Hurricane Irma today. So uh, this was a really interesting uh, image that was created, or GIF, where 
Hurricane Andrew from 1992 is right here. So to give you guys an idea of the size difference, and Hurricane Irma is right there. It looks like it's three or four times bigger. It's definitely faster in terms of the speeds, miles per hour. Um, you know, it, it's it's one of those things that before you before it even happens, you know it's going to be devastating, unfortunately. Um, so, you know, we'll be talking a lot more about Hurricane Irma throughout the podcast. Um, but just even more information about the comparison between Andrew and Irma. Uh, Hurricane Irma, uh, compared to Hurricane Andrew, in 1992, Andrew killed 65 people, cost $26 billion, and destroyed 63,000 homes. And again, if you look at the size difference, that has to scare a lot of people because you're looking at three or four times that now. Um, who knows what those numbers will look like? It's definitely a scary situation in the States and in Florida right now. Uh, the other bit of news, and this is just as scary, if not even more scary, and what's even scarier is how this has kind of slid under the radar um, because of the hurricanes. Um, Equifax yesterday announced a cybersecurity incident that potentially impacted 143 million U.S. consumers. Um, Equifax is a credit company that has pretty much everybody's information when it comes to date of birth, credit cards, uh, your credit score, a whole bunch of information. So the fact that that got hacked into uh, is a grave concern to a lot of people. 143 million U.S. customers impacted. But it doesn't just stop there. Equifax says uh, credit card numbers for about 209,000 U.S. consumers were accessed. Equifax says dispute documents with personal information for about 182,000 U.S. consumers were also accessed. And CBC News Alerts uh, tweeted out, Equifax hack has impacted personal data of 143 million Americans, which we've talked about, but also says officials say an unknown number of Canadian customers are affected as well. So Equifax, not just in the States, but also in Canada, also in the UK as well. And Keith Hearn tweeted out, it looks like about 44%. So think about that. 44%, almost half of the U.S. population, had their social security numbers, their names, and their birth dates stolen from Equifax. And ABC News tweeted out, FBI, the FBI is investigating the Equifax security breach. Federal law enforcement official was telling ABC News. So, uh, very scary situation going on there, impacting the lives of so many people. Um, you know, the FBI is investigating that now, but, you know, it seems like the damage has already been done. And Hamza Shabin tweeted out, uh, Equifax waited 41 days, and that makes this story even more outrageous, uh, considering the number of people that are impacted. They waited over 41 days to tell us that the social security numbers and personal information of 143 million Americans was compromised. Um, that's unbelievable, to be honest. Um, 
Equifax apparently also set up a site for people to put in their last name, the last six digits of their social security number to check to see if their information had been uh, compromised. Um, and Sharky Laguana tweeted out, give us your personal information so we can determine if, you, if we leaked your personal information in one of the biggest data breaches in history. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy that they've got the balls to create a site asking again for your personal information just to tell you whether or not your information has been breached. Um, you know, I, I don't know how many people are actually using that site to check that. I would imagine that number is pretty low considering what's gone on. Um, and then another interesting tweet, uh, totally on a different subject, um, along the U.S.-Mexico border where there's already a wall in place. Um, and that's what kills me about uh, this bullshit with Donald Trump about the wall. People pretend like uh, there's not a wall that already exists between the U.S. and Mexico border. Uh, there is, and it's gone back all the way to George W. Bush and beyond that. So much money has been burnt and wasted with this border. Um, so somebody uh, with really interesting artistic ideas uh, created a mural above the U.S.-Mexico wall uh, with a little Mexican child peering over the wall. Um, I thought that that was uh, a really good uh, work of art in the, in the truest sense. I thought that that has a really strong message. Um, you know, I thought it was extremely creative, so I definitely wanted to share that on the podcast. Um, Full Frontal with Samantha B. Uh, show on TBS. If you guys don't watch it, I would recommend it. It's definitely really funny. Uh, she tweeted out, a couple of once in 500 years storms make sense because 2017 has already felt 10,000 years long. Uh, so again, you're hearing about these hurricanes all the time. Uh, you know, people saying like, oh, you know, this is a once in a 500 year event. Um, and yet we've had two of them in a row. Um, and one of them is the largest ever uh, with Hurricane Irma. So you know, the people that deny climate change, um, their argument is becoming weaker and weaker because the evidence is becoming stronger and stronger. Like, forget about science, because obviously they have. Uh, just look with your eyes, right? Um, it, it's becoming beyond ridiculous. And yet, we still have a president in office in the U.S. that continues to deny climate change. You know, he literally as we talked about yesterday on the podcast, had a hurricane tracker on the bottom right and was talking to people saying, oh, you know, the pipeline was a great idea. So this guy, totally clueless about what's going on and the impact that it has on the environment, you know. And to be honest, I don't blame him as much as I blame the voters. If the voters want to continue to put their head in the sand and pretend like this isn't a problem, you know, they can continue to suffer the consequences as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's it's beyond ridiculous. The evidence has been there. You know, if you want to be ignorant and pretend like it's not, you know, don't be surprised when a hurricane comes your way and, you know, wipes out your house and wipes out your family and everything else. Like, you kind of, and, and ironically, you kind of get what you deserve in that sense. You know, you vote for the government that you deserve. You, you get you know, the environmental impacts of, of what you voted for, um, you know, and if you're somebody that doesn't vote and you think that that's the moral high ground, 
you also get what you deserve because you probably should have voted um, even if you didn't like uh, for example Hillary Clinton I didn't like I don't like Hillary Clinton um, you compare her to Donald Trump you know uh, when it comes to the environment there's a difference uh, people still voted for Donald Trump you know you get what you deserve in every sense there um, Billionaire Mindset tweeted out on a less harsh note, uh, time is valuable, so don't waste it on pointless relationships. I think that uh, was a good message. Uh, the other uh, interesting quote uh, was actually from Picasso. Uh, Picasso said once, uh, everything you can imagine is real. Um, so, you know, even going back to that last subject, um, if you can imagine the U.S., improving what they're doing with the environment um, then it can be real right but for it to become real for that part of your imagination to become real it requires action just like anything else right it's not enough just to imagine something you have to take the steps you have to take the action to actually see it through um, you know this podcast is an example of that it's something that I imagine it's something I've taken the steps the actions to actually create you know um, so I agree with that, that quote. Um, going back into politics, this was very interesting. Uh, the leaders of the Freedom Caucus, which is part of the uh, Republican Party, uh, met with House Speaker Paul Ryan on Wednesday to candidly express their frustrations with his leadership. Now, from the outside looking in, you would read that and go, oh, that's good because Paul Ryan hasn't done a fucking thing. Um, but when you hear who they want to replace him with as a Speaker of the House, that's where you're like, oh, okay, well, this is the Republican Party after all. Um, so to that point, the names that have come out uh, are Newt Gingrich and Rick Santorum. Um, you know, usually when you make a change, it's for the better. It seems like with the Republican Party, every time they make changes, it just continues to get shittier and shittier and shittier. Um, it reminds me of a joke from Lewis Black where he goes, uh, you know, I've got a really shitty idea. Uh, he's pretending he was a, he's a congressperson, and then he, he's pretending to be another congressperson going, and I can make it shittier. Um, you know, that seems to be what you're seeing from the Republican Party. You know, Paul Ryan has been a joke. I think he's been pathetic in so many ways. I think Mitch McConnell has been equally as pathetic. Uh, they haven't been able to pass a fucking thing in Congress um, when they have a majority, which is like mind-blowing how fucking stupid that is. Um, and you know now they want to replace somebody as useless as Paul Ryan with two even more useless people as candidates in Newt Gingrich and Rick Santorum. So it just you know, you're watching this and you're just watching this party continue to spiral out of control. And you hope that enough people are paying attention, voters, uh, that will make changes come 2018, 2020, and so on. Um, because that's the only way to really make these changes is to vote these people out. Um, you know, the Freedom Caucus is a fucking joke. It's people like Ted Cruz, people like Rand Paul. Uh, you know, vote those people out of office and you'll see some changes, right? Uh, keep them in office and keep putting in people like that and you will continue to see the type of craziness and chaos that you've seen out of Washington and the kind of, you know, non-action out of Washington that you've seen 
for the last it's got to be at least six or seven years now maybe even eight um, it's been ridiculous Uh, so yesterday, uh, the NFL finally came back after a long offseason, and uh, Ben Millett tweeted out, how awesome would it be that instead of revealing uh, the world champions uh, banner, if they revealed a banner with the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, dressed up like a clown as a banner. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. For those of you guys that don't know, Roger Goodell has pushed and pushed so hard, and he did, for... Uh, you know, getting Tom Brady suspended uh, last year um, due to, uh, you know, due to Inflategate. Uh, so, you know, Roger Goodell, Inflategate. Uh, so it, it's, um, it's interesting to see the reaction that he got in New England. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that they were giving out uh, free towels that had the same logo. Um, you know, he kind of went above and beyond just to get Tom Brady suspended. And despite that, the Patriots, to their credit, still won the Super Bowl. Um, and, you know, it's a credit to how good of a franchise they are. Now, we're going to be talking a little bit later about what happened in last night's game for the Patriots. But I thought that that was a really funny tweet by Ben there. Um, but continuing with the Patriots... Uh, they actually were trolling the Atlanta Falcons fans still uh, after the Super Bowl. On their uh, board, they actually still had the score Atlanta 28, New England 3, with 2 minutes and 12 seconds left in the third quarter, right beside uh, an inflatable Super Bowl trophy. So uh, if you're an Atlanta Falcons fan, you probably were a little bit pissed off about that last night. But what you might have been happy about if you're an Atlanta Falcons team is what happened last night in the game itself. Uh, so much to the surprise of, I think, everybody, Alex Smith ended up outdueling Tom Brady. Uh, it was a very close game up until the very end, but towards the end, the Chiefs just ran away with it. Uh, they ended up winning 42-27, to and they ended up beating the defending Super Bowl champions on the road. Um, you know, a lot of people were looking at this game going... Honestly, do I even want to watch this game? I don't really think the Chiefs are on that level, but it ended up being an enjoyable game. And, uh, you know, Alex Smith and the Chiefs ended up doing the impossible, uh, or, you know, what people didn't think was possible, and they beat Tom Brady and the Patriots at home. Uh, so that was, you know, an interesting way to start the season for the NFL. Another interesting tweet, uh, this time for baseball, uh, was tweeted out by Nat Squid, uh, who tweeted out that sometimes Twitter is really good. So uh, there's a seven-year-old girl that wanted to throw out a f the first pitch at every Major League Baseball ballpark uh, with her 3D printed hand. Um, and this is a, an example of how Twitter can be a good thing. Uh, you know, a lot of times Twitter, Twitter is viewed as, uh, you know, a nasty place, you know, people I'll go back and forth with name calling and things like that, but I find Twitter to be more of a good thing. Uh, it's it's a great way to find out news and information if you're looking at the right sources. Um, I think it's a great way for people to communicate different ideas. Uh, to have it can be a good place to have 
uh, arguments and discussions about different topics. Um, you know, and if you keep an open mind, like that can always be a good thing. Um, but in this case, it was a good thing because when that was tweeted out, almost every single ball team, I think every ball team, uh, baseball team, uh, tweeted back saying that they just wanted to know her information and they can get that set up. So uh, very cool, very interested to see that. Um, and yeah, you know, like that's, that's the, one of the benefits of, of Twitter um, right there. Um, going back to politics, uh, going to the House of Representatives, uh, you know, I've slammed the Republicans for quite some time on this podcast, but there are still some, uh, I would say, traditional Republicans, uh, people that are moderates, uh, people that are like fiscally conservative, um, you know, not the batshit crazy group uh, that, that is the Freedom Caucus. Um, you know, there's a representative, Charlie Dent, who is an outspoken moderate Republican uh, who, you know, has in the past worked with Democrats um, and done his job. Uh, he will not seek re-election, and I think that's a shame and it's a sign of the times. Uh, he was saying that uh, accomplishing the most basic fundamental, accomplishing the most basic fundamental tasks of governance is becoming far too difficult. Uh, so when a moderate like him says something like that, uh, I think it's time for people to worry um, if they weren't already about how broken this government is. Uh, Billy House tweeted uh, the Dent retirement statement, I fought to fulfill the basic functions of government, like keeping the lights on and preventing default. David Neer tweeted, if Charlie Dent's retiring, he's in DGAF mode, or don't give a fuck mode, uh, would only take two dozen GOP pragmatists to join with Democrats to make him Speaker of the House. So that's an interesting tweet, I thought, because if you're looking at it that way, things could change, and they could change easily. All it takes, as he's pointing out there, is just 24 out of the 200-plus Republicans that are in power in, in the House for whatever reason. Uh, it would just take 24 of them working with the Democrats to name somebody like Charlie Dent as the new Speaker of the House. So that's basically the options that the Republicans have is, do you go down the rabbit hole and continue to pick people like Newt Gingrich, Rick Santorum, Paul Ryan, uh, you know, you've got other winners like Ted Cruz and Rand Paul, or do you decide, you know what, we're kind of tired of this Donald Trump bullshit let's go with more moderate Republicans, let's go with people that can actually get shit done, that actually want to work with Democrats, that actually want to pass things, that actually want to make lives, uh, the lives of American people better. Um, you know, that seems to be the option. To me, it's an obvious answer, but for the Republican voters, for the Republicans that are in government right now, it seems that they're very happy with the way things are. Um, so, yeah. Alex Rorty also tweeted out, a Democratic operative once joked to me that in a room full of colleagues, they all agreed that if they had to vote for a Republican, that it would be Dent. Uh, so again, that kind of shows you like the high, reg high regard that Dent had amongst Democrats as well. Alex Rorty also followed up by saying, your party controls the White House in a midterm year. The president is unpopular and now members in swing districts are starting to 
retire. Uh, so that kind of says everything that you need to know about what's going on with the Republican Party. And Shahil Kapoor tweeted out, uh, Charlie Dent says he's retiring, lamenting ideological rigidity that leads to dysfunction, disorder, and chaos. Um, you know, so, so some pretty strong language there about just how dysfunctional government has become. And Sahil Kapoor followed up with that, saying that Dent is the only real leader of the centrist Tuesday group. His retirement is a reflection of its marginalization in the GOP under both Democrats and Republican presidents. Um, so I agree with Sahil to a point, but I also disagree. I agree that this is where the Republican Party seems to be going, and it's very disappointing, to be honest. Um, but I don't blame the presidents for that. I blame the voters. Um, the people that vote tend to vote in the states just for the presidency because for whatever reason, either they didn't take the civics class, they skipped the civics class, they don't, they're not sure how their government actually works, they put all of their eggs in one basket. They put all of the weight on whoever the president is. But the president, you know, if you pay attention to how civics actually works in, in the U.S., the president is very limited in what he can do. He's very much just a figurehead in a lot of ways. Um, the power in government, the people that actually make the laws, which is the ultimate power in my opinion, are the people in Congress. It's the House and the Senate. And yet there's so few Americans that actually vote for the midterm elections. So for example, in 2018, I'm interested to see how low the numbers are going to be for the number of people that vote. Um, because it's just, it's a system that I think the American people don't understand and I think it's made that way. I think corporations love that. Corporations love the fact that people in the states don't understand how their own government works. I think that there's so many special interests. I, I, I know that Republicans love it. Um, that love the fact that people don't understand how their government works. Um, they seem to think that the president has the ability to do everything, but they don't. It's three branches of government, right? The executive, which is the president, the legislative, which is Congress, and the judicial, which is the Supreme Court. Right? So if you ask me, the ultimate power is in Congress, and yet it's also where there's the least interest from the American people, from the media. Um, it's almost like it's designed to be that way, uh, where ignorance uh, helps to make government as dysfunctional as it is. If people actually did vote, if they were forced to vote, if it was a law that was passed that said that it's mandatory that you vote like in other countries or you would go to jail, that would be interesting because then all of a sudden people would have to give a damn and people would have to vote and you would probably, in my opinion, see changes in Congress that need to be made. Um, but that's not the world that we live in. Um, and again, in 2018, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Republicans stay in control. I wouldn't be surprised, maybe even if they gain seats, because the general voter doesn't seem to vote in midterm elections especially on the Democratic side. And I think that that just shows how ignorant uh, people are about how their own system works. And again, I don't necessarily blame the people as much as I blame the system for that. But, you know, it's the year 2017. If you wanted to find out about how things work, you can. Uh, you can blame the system all you want, but you should also be trying to educate and better yourself. And I don't think that that's going on in the U.S. 
um, which is a shame. Uh, so just to add to uh, Dent's retirement announcement, uh, Jonathan Tamara, Tamari uh, tweeted out, uh, it's no surprise that Dent is as sick and tired of the Republican Party as the American people. I think that remains to be seen because again, the Republican Party is in control of the House and the Senate and the White House. And we've got an election in 2018. I would love to see things change. Um, and I don't necessarily even mean that Democrats taking seats from Republicans. I would just like to see moderate Republicans gain seats and regain control of Congress. That would be, a, that would be progress to me. Um, because right now you just have this batshit crazy right wing in control and they're doing nothing. They're blocking their own president, uh, not approving a debt ceiling. Like, it's, it's a joke, right? Um, I think everybody thought, like, oh, you know, when Trump gets elected, at least he's a Republican, more things will get done, because politically it made sense uh, why they were obstructing Barack Obama. He's a Democrat. It's been nine months. The Republicans in Congress are still doing the same shit with their own Republican president, and they've passed nothing and the American people continue to suffer. So maybe if the American people have had enough, which hopefully they have, they'll vote and they'll change things. Uh, but if they don't, I wouldn't be surprised, unfortunately. Uh, so Billionaire Mindset, on a much lighter note, uh, tweeted out, in times of great stress or adversity, it's always best to keep busy, to plow your anger and your energy into something positive. Uh, so believe it or not, that's actually... Uh, exactly what I'm doing with this podcast. Uh, in my personal life, there's a lot of things going on right now, uh, mostly work-related. Uh, so, you know, I've, I've always wanted to do a podcast, and while I'm in between jobs, I at least wanted to try it. I at least wanted to see what could happen. And uh, it's been all positive, man. Like, the support, uh, the viewership uh, on YouTube, iTunes, podcast.com, TuneIn, Stitcher, um, it's all been awesome, um, and yeah, you know, like it, it, it's 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 definitely made me even feel better uh, about things because when you're busy and you're doing something that you love and you're doing something that you're passionate about, um, it makes a huge difference, you know. So um, that's like the outlet that this podcast provides, and hopefully that shines through uh, to all of you guys watching and listening, um, you know, because that's truly how I feel about this podcast is that it's it's a great way to communicate ideas and thoughts and just have fun with it and that's really what I like like about this podcast is it that's what it is it's you know uh, just having fun and you know hopefully you guys have as fun you know watching and listening to it as I do making it um, because it is truly a passion for me and hopefully again you know that shines through to you guys because uh, it, it is so much fun to me I, I love doing these things as you can tell because one has been coming out every day um, and I want to continue to do it every day. Um, Uberfax tweeted out, uh, researchers have found that the more you try to suppress romantic thoughts about someone, the more you'll end up thinking about them. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, Stephen Shepard tweeted out in a response uh, to something that we talked about yesterday. So Rush Limbaugh uh, was telling people not to worry about what's going on in Florida. It's hysteria. It's fake news. And hilariously, uh, he's, his show is based in South Florida. He says that he will not be on the air now for the next several days. Uh, he will be on the air next week from 
parts unknown. So Stephen Shepard caught that right away, as did I, and he said, I thought the storm was overhyped. So again, so showing the hypocrisy of Rush Limbaugh, and to anybody that listens to his trash, um, you know, I feel sorry for you if you can't see through his hypocrisy and his bullshit because it's so obvious. That is just one example of how full of shit Rush Limbaugh is. You know, one day saying, oh, you know, don't believe the hype about this hurricane. The next day saying, oh, you know, I'm based out of Florida. I'm going to get the hell out of here. Uh, my show will be back in seven days. Give me a, a fucking break. Uh... Dave Elsie Hickson tweeted out that there's actually a new AI that can work out whether you're gay or straight from a photograph. Um, so this is some new technology. This is from The Guardian, this article, if you guys are interested. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I'm interested to see how often it goes wrong. So the article itself was saying that it's like got 91% accuracy. Um, I would love to see not just when it goes wrong, but the reaction of the people that it goes wrong for. How you know upset they would be, and they're just going like, "What the fuck? Like that's not that's not true at all." Um, but it's an interesting technology. Um, the fact that they say the accuracy is up to ninety one percent is also pretty interesting, and that they can do all of that just based on a photograph. Uh, so using the technology to somehow determine that, uh, pretty interesting. Um, Another interesting tweet, uh, this was from Steve Rosenberg, he tweeted out that it's fascinating, there's a Russian paper that's taking a swipe at Vladimir Putin, uh, saying that the longer a leader stays in power, the greater the risk for the country and its leader. Um, very rare that you see that from the Russian media, so it's interesting to see somebody say that. Um, I would agree. I think this guy has become, in, in every sense, a dictator, although he is a, quote, president. Um, you know, he's, he's had the puppet Prime Minister, uh, Medvedev, and all that other bullshit that he's been doing, but, you know, at the end of the day, he's the one that's in power, he has been in power for years, decades, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's very, very frustrating to see that, it's frustrating to see what he's doing in the world, uh, we've talked about that on previous podcasts, so I won't go too much into, into that again, but, uh, it's interesting to see interesting to see a Russian media newspaper go after Putin that way. Uh, so another interesting tweet, and this will be what we end on. Uh, for Uberfax, they're saying that yes, you can actually die from drinking too much water, and this was something that I actually found out watching Joe Rogan's podcast uh, years ago. Um, but apparently, it's true. Uh, there are no reported cases of runners dying of dehydration during marathons but there are many cases of runners dying from water intoxication. Um, and there was, uh, Joe Rogan pointed out years ago on his podcast that there was a contest, a radio contest, where they were giving out, um, I think it was like an iPad or a MacBook or something, uh, to the person that could drink the most water. And there was a mother that went on the show that wanted to do that to get it for her kid, and she ended up drinking too much water and died of water intoxication so pretty crazy stuff uh, as always you know a lot of times there are some crazy things that come up on the podcast so I wanted to share that with you guys um, and yeah that will do it for today's episode uh, so I want to thank everybody for watching and again just to remind you guys if you can please make sure that you go to Maxim's Finest and help get Anna to win 
The link will be on all of our platforms. It will be down at the bottom. And I'll see you guys on the next episode.